podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everybody and welcome to the next edition of the Live Bird Pod. It's good to be back and to talk to you. It's been a few weeks. There's been a fair bit going on, particularly in the last few days, um, which you may or may not have picked up on social media. Um, but we'll get into all of that. Let me welcome my regular contributors, Randy and Amy Kate, to this edition of the pod. Uh, good evening, good afternoon, ladies. Hello. <laughs> good night. <laughs> good night. Yeah, just, just, just bear with us, Randy. Don't go quite yet. <laughs> it's finally a nice it's finally a good time for me <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly we said we'd try and take it in turns as as we're all around the globe uh so yeah so nicer afternoon uh phoning for you this time amy kate definitely so let us get into this um so we played newcastle earlier on today, uh, finished a 1-1 draw, sadly. Um, another game, I think, where it could be summed up with we just didn't take our chances. But, um, Amy Kate, let me start with you. Any particular things you want to pull out of today's game? Let's talk about the positive and Mo Salah's goal. What a brilliant, brilliant goal. Um, that was That was impressive, and I was really excited. I think it was like three minutes in and I was like, yeah. All right, this is going somewhere. This is great. You know, Mo's 20th goal. It's his 29th, I think in all competitions and, you know, people that are saying that he's not been, you know, on his game. I mean, wow. But then, yeah. <laughs> then I'll let you guys discuss the rest of it. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. You pretty much <laughs> took, took me a highlight of the game. Um, I'll leave you with that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, I suppose, uh, Randy, we do we do need to talk about um, our the sort of drop off, I guess, from from the other members of our uh, you know Fab Three up front who've who've been not quite as this year um, because if you look at you know, and I'm, obviously you know I'm not a stats girl. If you look at expected goals and you look at chances made and stuff, they're not that dissimilar to last season. What's really different is is the amount of goals scored by Mane and Firmino. And I know Jota has taken a little bit of the slack up, um, but it does seem to be, I don't know if it's as easy to say confidence, but um, there's definitely... Not the the clinical uh, finishing that we we've come to expect. No, and it's astonishing. It's amazing because if you look at the last three years, 
we know that Bobby hasn't been the our top goal scorer anyway, mm-hmm. but he's chipped in with everything else. He's been so so good uh, all round player for us, and and you could still still see actually uh, this season when mm. he is out, we are different and we lack something. Uh, but because Mo and uh, Mane and uh, lately, as I said, Jota and the midfield has been scoring goals. This year, the midfield has scored two, I mean, this season, two goals. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. uh, and that's Genie. And so we are, I don't know what's going on. And, and even Jota now, after he came back from injury, Looks like he's absolutely, he, he can't do anything right just in front of goal. But then you move into the midfield and they roam around, you know, and, and they look sharp as, you know, nothing. And, and, and then suddenly, when they, every time in front of goal, they can't produce anything. And it's like that goal today from Mo. It's like the most difficult thing to do ever, you know. And he puts that one away. But he can't do the simplest tapping, you know. I don't know what's wrong with us. Who's put something in our water? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know that same question. Yeah. Is it, is it about the fact that they feel under pressure and therefore if they've got, if they've got more time to think about it... Um, because it seems to be when it's quite instinctive yeah. and they don't have time to think about it that um to to you know to the point of Mo's goal today it was literally like turn bang mm. um and and sort of straight in on the, on the half volley and it was a lovely finish um i think we saw elements of that with Mane with a couple of the chances but you know he's he's having so he's not having a great season for him and those goals I think last season would have gone the other side of the post or would have gone underneath the goalkeeper or something and I think it's I think it's I think it's partly that and I think he's sort of snatching at stuff that um you know last season he you know he would have been you know he wouldn't have been thinking about in the same way um that's that's my view anyway and you can also see it in uh, was it the Madrid game the first one at least you mm. can see he's been doing this uh, this season a lot he's been falling over and it and then he doesn't get anything so yeah. he keeps falling over trying to get something but if that's all you got I mean at least against Leeds and and today he he was better all round uh, on the field, he was not falling, and he was not—he was looking better. His his body language looked much better. But in front of goal is as it, as you say, probably it's the thinking, isn't it? And we have to remember, people like him. He's on his own. He's staying on his own. He hasn't got a girlfriend or or a wife. He he hasn't got all his mates over anymore because they they're not allowed because of the COVID. So I think maybe this as well, we have to take everything in, in on account because he's probably having a terrible time in general as well. Mm. So Amy Kate, since you, you've got the, the glory moment for the game, um, <laughs> back, 
I'm coming back to you now because, um, you know, having said all of that, we were one nil up in the 95th minute. So, you know, where has our ability to see a game out, uh, that, that the game management um, that we also had over the last couple of seasons where, you know, we could certainly a lot more comfortably be able to see out a one nil win. Um, you know, is it as, as simple as, you know, Van and Dyke not being there. I mean, we can't continue to put everything at his door, surely. No, I don't think we can. Um, I I still can't believe that the end of the game went the way it did. Um, especially when they score, Vara's called back. There's literally, I don't know, a minute left, and we still let them score. I mean, well done on their part, but like, where where is everybody? It, you you just it just didn't make sense to you know what was happening. I was just like, how is this this happening? But we're just not finishing. We're not. I don't think we're um, our heads in the game. I just don't. I mean, why would we let that happen? Um, you know. Yes, that, that was that, that was my question. <laughs> you know, um, I thought that things changed when um, Milner came in. Um, you know, the, the midfield is just not as strong. We're 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 missing um, Hendo big time. Um, you know, it's just. But we've been we've been like this for a while. So so how come? What I don't understand. I understand we don't have Van Dyke. We don't have. Henderson, but this isn't like, oh, what do we do now? We've been dealing with this practically all season. How have we not been able to recover? But Randy made a good point about, you know, players being on their own and, and COVID, you know, not being able to, um, you know, see their families and things. And another thing is, and I don't know how, they, if they're going and staying at a hotel the night before or not, you know, um, but you know how they would go and I'll meet at the yeah. hotel and and gather their thoughts and kind of have the t- group, you know, the team walk and all this bonding and connection, which I think is really hurting us because they're not doing that right now because of COVID, you know, and maybe that's why they're playing better in a way because they are all together cohesively. And, and I'm just putting that out there. It might be complete bullshit, but I'm just, you know, just a perspective that maybe that's one of the reasons and of course, of course, us fans not being there is obviously a huge thing. Yeah. You know? Well, we'll um, we'll come address that again. We'll come on to that part of our uh, as part of our wider discussion. Um. Uh, so so just let's just sort of finish this off then then Randy. Um. You know that that result. Um. You know has put us in a position where um. You know we're on fifty four points. We're in. We're sixth in the table. Um, you know, I suppose the only positive, if you like, is the fact that, uh, and I don't know that it is a positive, but you know, West Ham didn't beat Chelsea, so they didn't make any ground up on us. But we obviously, by only drawing, we lost ground on Chelsea. So, um, do you think we will? Make top four this season. 
No, I don't think so. I think our lack of uh, uh, ability to finish off games, <laughs> mainly. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and I feel like we lost, I missed uh, Phillips a lot today. And I think that just the fact that we haven't got two defenders on the pitch is going to hurt us, and it has. And it, it sort of went well for a while, and then it's back to um, losing uh, Fabian yeah. in, in, in midfield. And, and, you know, so I, I can't see us uh, getting the, the points that we need now. Uh, and if that is true, <laughs> I hope not, but if that is true, uh, I'd rather we be outside everything and just... Uh, think of ourselves mm -hmm. next year you know next season and and, and gather momentum and, and build and, and just rebuild ourselves because we're falling apart you know <laughs> yeah Quite i don't what, what what i don't know and and i don't know if either of you can help me out because um i was actually out today because we're we're allowed to meet people outside for a drink and stuff i actually went yeah, out yeah congrats um it was uh, so didn't see um I, I sort of heard parts of the first half and then I caught up with the highlights but um I didn't know I, I'm presuming Phillips was injured but you know is is Davis just a mirage right did we actually sign Ben Davis from Preston and is he is he at <laughs> our, our club is he also injured because if and, and we had we had like Reese Williams on the bench who's a centre-back so I, yeah. I guess I'm still trying to fathom why we would have pushed Fabinho back, which I also think didn't uh, today. So I'm just I'm just a little bit confused on that point as to why why we didn't have two centre backs play to your point, uh, Randy. So I hadn't necessarily seen any news uh, um, that Phillips was injured. Uh, I'm presuming that's what it was because he wasn't in the squad. Do either of you know? No, I don't I, know. I, I, I just oh, ahead, don't think that he plays because he's not ready. He's not injured, Davies. So then it is the trust of the manager then that he hasn't got that yet. So I, I presume he's going to get gone in the summer as well. We're just going to make some money on him. We just bought him for money. <laughs> and train well, him. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Amy, Kate? I read somewhere i only read part of it because i didn't get a chance to read the whole article but in the echo i believe it was the echo um there the title of it was um ben davies is going to be uh will will leave liverpool without playing a single game so um and i meant to kind of read to see what more was about but the title kind of gives it away you know um so i'm guessing yeah. For some reason, I, I'm guessing he's just not working out in practice or, you know, if he's not being able to perform in practice and and in training, then then maybe um, they're just looking at, like, selling him. I, I don't know the, the reasons why they're doing that, but but he's definitely not give, giving a chance, you know. And and I kind of wonder why, because he's. He definitely um, has experience, but is he just not good enough for Liverpool? And if that's the case, why did we buy him in the first place? It's it's kind of mind-boggling, really. You know, I'm just curious to see because I don't yeah. think Liverpool would buy a player 
that why would you buy a player that you that you didn't think was good enough to you know either develop into or play? I understand the circumstances and we needed somebody, but we could have just bought or I guess that's for you know management yeah. owners. They seem to not want to share things with us anyway, so maybe that's another mystery. Yeah, maybe. And oh, yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's a nice enough segue, I think, for us to uh, <laughs> move on. To to yeah, to move into the debacle that was the uh, uh, short-lived ESL, at least in its current form. Um, so. Let, let's let me start with you, Randy. Where, when, where were you? Do you remember where you were when you heard the news when all of this broke? Yeah, I think I was uh, in uh, Svalbard in my sofa. I was watching uh, something, uh, probably mm. football related, and suddenly it all said bang. And then it's like I can't remember anything. Uh, two days later, I wake up again, and it's over, because it was such a big shock. I was yeah. my adrenaline for those two days was like pitch high. So I was working, and I was still thinking about this. I was. It was just such a shock to my system. Yeah, it was. Uh... So it clearly came out of the blue somewhat for, for us as, as supporters, not to mention the manager and the team. Yeah. Um, Amy, Amy, Kate, where, what, what was happening with you when this all kind of blew up? Um, that was like Sunday afternoon. So I was getting ready for, you know, just getting stuff ready for work. And all of a sudden I'm like, what is happening? My phone's blowing up. You know, social media is just madness. Mm. And I'm like, did I miss something? Because I thought for sure that there would have been more lead up, not just wham, bam, in your face, you know? Um, and I'm like, no, this can't be. This can't, this has got to be, a, oh, this is real. And then it was just like crazy chaos. And one of my best friends is an Arsenal fan. And so mm -hmm. I immediately, messaged him to talk about it because it's great to sit and talk about our own club but it's interesting because we're both in that same position what the view is for another fan of another club and yeah we're both just like this is stupid I mean like I I understand that things need to change with the current situation with with you know UEFA and FIFA and Sky no questions but that's not the answer so I was just gobsmacked that it was happening. But I do remember sitting, I think it was 2000, it was either January or February 2019. And mm. I was in LA and um, Peter Moore was giving a speech and he was talking about all kinds of stuff. And, you know, he obviously was still CEO at the time. Yeah. And we, we were allowed to ask questions and, you know, everybody's asking everything and anything. And this Super League thing comes up. And that was probably the first time that I actually had it. Like, you know, you heard little remnants of it around. But, like, somebody really brought it up. And he said, well, yeah, you know, he's not for it. But, um, you know, as a fan, he doesn't think it's the right thing. He, but he says, unfortunately, it might be the way things are going. I guess, you know, only time will tell is basically kind of what he said. He didn't really put too much emphasis one way or the other. 
Um, yeah. Definitely was not insinuating that that Liverpool was um, doing any, you know, a part of it or not. You know, he was, you know, more of an opinion thing. But, um, you know, then it just kind of disappeared. In, and we all kind of were like, well, we hope it doesn't happen. And then, you know, Bye. Sunday, there it is, <laughs> you know. So it wasn't like it was out of nowhere, but it had just been looming kind of under under a rock for quite a while, you know. And, and yeah. they had that big picture, Project Big Picture, I think it was, a month or two ago yeah. that had come out. And I think that was what they were trying to tell us. Um, you know, I think that there was writing on the wall that we didn't, you know, we just didn't understand. This wasn't a complete, you know, looking back, hindsight, it, it wasn't something that was just, boom, here it is. This has been kind of little seeping out, but I just think yeah. nobody really took any um, notice to it because it just didn't seem realistic. Well, I think there's, um, I think there's a few, there's a few things that, you know, you could have, we could have taken as pointers. I, you know, over the over the last few years, there's been various things that have come out um, from the uh, ECA, which is, I think, the European Club Association, of mm -hmm. which Liverpool is a member, and they they've been the ones that collectively have been talking to UEFA around the sort of Champions League and and you know competition format and various other things and and basically you know trying to trying to get bigger uh, uh you know cut off the pie um and so you know they the liverpool amongst others have, have been you know uh relatively loud voices in in that mm -hmm. forum um i think you're right in terms of project big picture which actually i would need to go back and sort of re revisit and we did talk about it but you're you're right it was probably a precursor and we didn't read between the lines uh <clears throat> hard enough um the the bit i suppose i'm i still flabbergasted by is that collectively they seem to believe that you know that that they would just be able to to do this um <laughs> right and and that they could do you know that and that somehow us as fans would you know we might be a bit pissed off but we'd we'd go along with it and the the you know the owners are not stupid people you know they haven't got to where they've got to you know by being stupid people but there's just a sort of massive miscalculation here and i'm not that's the bit I'm still trying to get my head round. So, you know, they, they, and they clearly must have taken, you know, a, a lot of soundings and taken legal advice and whatever, because this wasn't something they come up, they came up with on the back of a fag packet. This is something where they signed legal contracts where JP Morgan was going to back it to the tune of four billion pounds. They clearly had a broadcaster lined up. I, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's formally come out, but there was a lot of rumours, certainly in the UK, it was either Disney or Dad was potentially going to pick up the broadcasting rights for this new European Super League. But also the, 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 they could set up their own version of the Champions League and just run it. I, I'm still 
bemused by that, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of shocking. It, it really is that that I I don't even know like what they were thinking. I mean, how can you fairly, you know, run something? I mean, it reminds me. I I watched over the summer. Um, the English game on on Netflix, and it's about you know um, the FA, and the beginning of it is you know basically how the FA becomes you know the elite you know mm-hmm. aristocrats to the working class. So that's basically what it is, and it was they were on the board. They all you know because it was people wasn't money involved and everything, but I was just kind of like, what they think that they can run their own show and and these these player or these teams can tell everybody else how to go and nobody can join and only, you know, it's just no relegation, no um, promotion. And I just thought, you know, I I don't a hundred percent think it's because the three major English backers were American, even though the MLS and all that, that's how they don't do that. I think it was kind of more of, they were getting an opportunity and they saw, they saw dollar signs. They saw money. They weren't getting it from, from um, Sky and mm. and 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 UEFA what they thought they should be getting. So they took it upon themselves and you know call it greed, call it think what you deserve. I'm, I'm sure everybody's going to say it's greed, but they're and and at the same time it's like it's a lot easier to you know go ahead and do something and ask, you know, ask for forgiveness before you, instead of asking for permission, it's a lot easier to ask for forgiveness. And I think that's kind of what their, their model was offered that, you know, and it didn't go well, <laughs> you know, and so now no, I, I think, I think we can, I think we can say it didn't go, didn't go swimmingly. Um, <laughs> Randy, I, I, um, I suppose the, the, the interesting thing, uh, and and I'm presuming you've sort of seen the the you know you've seen a lot of this coverage, but is the unifying uh, element of this whole proposal, as in, you know, we I didn't realise this was the this was the single thing that could you know coalesce all of these disparate groups to actually agree on something. Um, so, you know, I completely get the, the you know, the fan group. So, you know, the Arsenal Supporters Trust, you know, uh, Spirit of Shankly, Spy and Cop, all, all, you know, all of ours, the, the, the relevant ones for Spurs, for Chelsea, etc., etc. Um, you had the managers, you had the players, you had the FA, you had the other 14 teams who, who the this six were quite happy to jettison and leave behind them um you know you had uefa and you, you had fifa um and it's not very often that you, you everybody would be agreeing about the the same thing in terms of their distaste for this whole proposal um but what it doesn't do um is it doesn't you know, shooting down the ESL leaves us with the status quo. And the status quo is not necessarily that happy a place, particularly when you look at what UEFA have just passed in terms of the expansion. 
of the yeah. um, of the Champions League, and and creating even more fixtures in a calendar everybody says has got no room in it. So um, I I guess I sort of what one of the points I I would like you to sort of tell me your views on is um, the ESL obviously wasn't the answer. Um, but what do you think is the uh, is the answer, or or a combination of answers that we need to try and use this opportunity for? Because there there clearly is a very small window of opportunity for for the strength of feeling for us to try and actually get some changes uh, made. And and I'm thinking particularly about how football's governed in in the in England. Um, rather than uh, because I'm not sure how much we can do with UEFA at this point, but we can come on to that. So, so let me start by posing that point to you. Uh, well, that was a lot to think about, but um, <laughs> the, for me, it is the way it was done, like you've said, uh, the way it was just uh, thrown at us uh, from nowhere. And uh, the thought that this this is a way of doing it because if you if they've done it in a way that I would think communication wise and you know anchoring it with the club first uh, uh, sourcing out the you know finding out what people feel and think about it it would have been stopped so they did this as a strategy completely um, consciously you know. This is the way we have to do this. So it's going to spring on them. And they also knew that the new Champions League was going to be proposed these days, didn't they? So maybe this was just a negotiation tactic. Although I think they really, really did it in a bad way. I think all the British teams was not as in it, as you can see, who's left now, though. I mean, that's Juventus, Barca and uh, Madrid, isn't it? So mm. they're still in it. They, whether they believe it still, I don't know, but they still sort of hang in there. And they haven't, apparently, got as much money in the new Champions League exchange as the British teams has. So what we are supposed I'm proposed to now is a new Champions League, more matches, again not listening to the players and coaches. You could listen to Klopp today, uh, the way he talks about, I mean, this is not for us, it's for them, it's for the others, it's for the TV companies, it's for the UEFA, uh, which by the way is supposed to be a governing body, it's supposed to regulate what they're doing yeah. is they're regulating their own business market, the market that they are the biggest in, that they rule. Yeah. So everything is so wrong here. It's like, where the fuck do you start? I mean, in, in Britain as well, I mean, the Premier League since that mm. was launched, again, all about more money and publicity and yeah. the TV companies. And they invented the big six, for fuck's sake. So they made these monsters that we all now are supposed to hate. So all the 14 other clubs, they, they are so reliant on these top six clubs, even though they're not fucking top six anymore. <laughs> but, you know, 
they're all reliant on them. They all need them. So Premier League without them is going to be nothing, at least something completely different. So if this was going to go, this if this was happening, we had to, they had to reinvent Premier League then. Nobody wanted that. So we are back to status quo in a, in a way that is completely different. It's never going to be the same though, is it? Everyone is going to hate us. We might as well go away. And the UEFA has launched this new idea that is, again, all about money. I think they need to separate regulators and business. And they also need to do something. And you, you touched upon it like they're doing, they have in um, Germany. It's not mm. that that is a very fair league either because you've got the, the, the biggie on top, which, by the way, is very closely connected to UEFA, as is PSG. That's why they were not in on this, because they were in UEFA's pockets. Their mm. fucking manager, or no, their owner, is in uh, UEFA's board. The, the, the principal or whatever he's just been yeah. called. So this is like, it's all tangled together in the way it shouldn't be anyway. So who's going to start this process of cleaning up both ethically and um, commercially, the whole football industry, because it needs to be done. But I don't know who the fuck is going to start that process. Who, who, <laughs> who can do that? You know? oh, like Certainly you, like not you say. Boris Johnson. Uh, well, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, <laughs> uh, it's, it's unfortunate timing for him as well at the moment, isn't it? Um, in terms of him, you know, wanting to sort of get all these fan groups together. Uh, yeah. to talk about you know governance and reform <laughs> when, when his previous, previous special advisor has just come out and saying he's well I don't think anybody's surprised that he's <laughs> he's you know he lacks integrity and he's open to to cronyism and corruption yeah. so um <laughs> you know he's he's never he's never wanted to work a day in his life that man and and has, has got a sense of entitlement and then people wonder why he is the way he is and he behaves the way he does but you know put politics aside slightly because (laughs) we can't divorce it completely from football I think there's a just a couple couple of points I want to make and then I'll bring you in Amy Kate so what I what I find also really jarring in all of this is the rank hypocrisy that is going around because let's be absolutely clear the Premier League was built as a breakaway from the previous thing because the clubs didn't feel the big clubs, whether we call them the big five, the big six, whatever you want to call them, um, didn't feel that they were getting a big enough slice of the pie. And Sky were fundamental to that in terms of being the, the new incumbent and the broadcaster. And they set themselves up on the sport platform and this was their big bet and they threw billions at it right and so you know we can't sit here and go oh you know the european super league is a dreadful idea which it is by the way uh, but not understand where we came from and why uh, you know the owners may have changed but the aspiration of those clubs that that were the sort of you know the the founding fathers or the you know the big the big movers behind the creation of the Premier League 
they're you know that hasn't changed what they what they're there for and they could trumpet you know all they like about you know it's the fans and this and that and the and the irony here is that it is the fans right the product that is sold around the world is on the back of the experience that the fans create in the ground and and the the football nobody would want to, you know, and that's probably why we, with the pandemic and we understand why there's no fans of the thing, the viewing figures are, are nothing like that they would have been, even though it's giving people access to, to still watch football, is because it is a soulless experience. And the, the issue you've got here, to, to my mind as well, is if the fans organise themselves properly, Right, there is an opportunity here to to really make some fundamental changes about fan representation and governance governance on the board. Yes, in an ideal world, you might have uh, something like the German model, so the fifty plus one. So it you know you can it can never be like wholly owned. The issue here is it. it the England or the UK is such a capitalist country. I can't see them legislating to force private owners of of and a lot of these clubs we've got to remember are privately owned. They're, Manchester United is is on the stock exchange, but most of the others are owned by private individuals or or privately owned by you know um, investment vehicles. And I I don't know legally what the go- Government, government could do to to force the, the to to relinquish their property in inverted commas, um, which is why I think the reform is likely to be about legislating um, for fan representation on the boards of clubs. Um, but you know, let's let's not forget where this started from, and and why we are sort of where we are because the original principles of the Premier League was that it was it was starting off at 20 but it was going to go to an 18 club league which it never did because the 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 money that started rolling in and and the greed of the clubs or the dependence of the clubs on that amount of money coming in and those broadcasting rights meant that we never got to the 18 teams which actually would have resolved one of the issues in the first place, which is about fixture congestion. Now, I'm not saying there's not other competitions. They were obviously looking to fill it up. But, you know, it's always been about money, and it will always be about money. So how how do we understand that and start trying to turn that more to our advantage than us being the people who just get rinsed for our money? all the time so I'm going to Amy Kate I'm sort of going to bring you in here because you know I've got some I've got some thoughts about what some of the things that you know on, on my wish list of things I would like to change but you know what what's what would you be looking at in terms of a priority list well I would like the the fixtures to be less congested because look at all the injuries and and um, things like that I also hate that we do um you know international um you they they all have to go off to international and then they come back again that has nothing to do with with um you know 
the, the, the Premier League, but, you know, that kind of, I wish that that wasn't, you know, such a, a, a burden. Um, they did that two-week break a couple years ago, like the German leagues do, and then, you know, um, I don't know if that helped, but I just want the players to be more healthy. I want them to have, um, you know, the ability to have some rest and so that we can, you know, have strong, healthy teams and compete more competitively. Um, the money that is spent on players and uh, just the money itself is just ridiculous. Like, how did they get to that point that it's just millions and millions of dollars that these players are playing and then, you know, they're not performing. It's kind of frustrating, you know. Um, I I just, I don't know. I just, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so many things that, that, you'd want to see changed. I w- I'd like to see the fans not be exploited as much. Um, ticket sales, ticket prices are expensive. Um, you know, just being able to, to support your team. We're, we're a working class society, but you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of pushing out, well, actually not kind of, they are pushing out the working class and it's all for the, the rich people. I want that to change. What happened to the fans? We should be a priority. Yeah, and 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 that's my that's you know one of one of my sort of fundamental issues, and I and I let me throw a few things out there, and and we'll sort of try a, a bit of a sort of quick fire views. So very conscious that the two people I'm talking to, you know, generally consume most of their football through media. So whether that's TV, whether it's going to you know your local supporters club, whether it's you know watching it on you know on streams and and occasionally will get over to the UK but one of my you know one of my real issues is around kickoff times and I appreciate that a lot of them are aimed at television markets outside of the UK um, but the uh, for me there is and it is sort of linked up with the whole fan sort of consideration bit but a number of these games are scheduled at points where fans want to in the UK want to go to them, whether that's home and or away fan, and yet they're put in a position where either they can uh, they have to make arrangements to take time off work to get there or time off work to get home because they're scheduled at such a time that trains have stopped running or they have to book a hotel or they have to leave at, you know, stupid o'clock in the morning. And a lot of football fans, you know, we've got to the point where we're almost inured to it, and we just do it because that's the way it is. But I suppose my question is, is does does the way it is have to be the way that it's going to be? Because I think there is a a window... um, in terms of putting some pressure on the broadcasters through all of this. Now, we know, obviously, Sky and BT weren't involved at all in these discussions of the European Super League, so they're not going to be happy. But they, uh, but they also need to, you know, accept that they, you know, they're paying for a product, but the, the product is dependent on the atmosphere that's created by the fans. So, uh, sort of quick fire on, on that one, then. Would you like to see... Uh, a more regulated uh, set of kickoff times, yes or no? Randy first. 
Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, football should be for the fans where they play, first of all. So uh, whether I can watch it on telly around the world should be the second thought. The first thought should be, we are playing for the fans here in Britain. So how can we make that the best way possible for everyone? Because as you said earlier, the fans are such a big part of the product. So if they don't understand, if they start to think about football as a product that somebody consumes, well, start there then. So take all the fans in account when they plan for when to play. And also because the, the players are the product, because without them, there are mm-hmm. no football matches. So they should be the ones that you plan everything for. Uh, they should be in the centre of it all. So, and also because yeah, UEFA and FIFA and uh, everyone else need to talk together. They need to understand that if a player first plays for Liverpool in Premier League, then on the Wednesday they go and play for Liverpool in the Champions League or Europa mm-hmm. League or whatever, wherever we're going to go. Uh, and uh, next week, thereafter, they go to the national team. They're still the same player. It's not like they, they need to fight over this. They need to cooperate over this. And, and I wonder when that's going to start. Because that's the only way this could be a sustainable product. Because, as you said, I mean, Sky, this is uh, their making as well. But they can't show if they only got, you know, the third choice available mm-hmm. because all the others are killed off, you know. So their product yeah. is going to go down as well. So why don't we sort of centre around who's the most important thing? Yeah, it's the player and then it's the fans, isn't it? These two together. Yeah. And, and you know, the fans have generally come in fourth or fifth. Right, so Amy, Kate, uh, quickly, so uh, a... A coordinated set of kickoff times. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Well, I I think that um, Randy's right, and it should be. I mean, and I'm saying this being in you know United States and California. Yeah. Kickoff times this morning, 4:30 in the morning. That sucked. But yeah. You know, I'm going to as a fan that's from America who chooses to support Liverpool. It is what it is. It is about the fans there but you know the thing that's really frustrating is you know trying to get over there and and they set a schedule and then oh wait we we want to change it because we're sky and we're bt and we want more money because of the way it's going so somebody and i don't know if people know this or not but as an olsc if you're Mm -hmm. applying for tickets you have yes. two windows. You have the first half of the season and the second half of the season. So you're planning. So you have to plan like six months in advance. And yeah. you, yeah. Submit, you submit your tickets and then you find out if you got your tickets and then you pay. But you know way in advance. And so you're planning your trip. And if you're coming from United States or Australia or wherever, that's, you know, quite, it's not just pop over to England for the weekend. You have all this planning involved. And then they, oh, six weeks out, we're changing the fixture. It's now on a Monday. Or it's now on a, yeah. like, they need to really It's consider. now on a Friday yeah, night. And, it's now and, half past four on a Sunday. It's now, you know, 8 p.m. Exactly. on a Monday. That's, yeah. That is great for me because 
it's not only, you know, because because being being a, a fan that's, you know, watching it through social media of some mm-hmm. sort of media, like you said, you know, I'm going to do it whenever I can, you know, and hopefully work isn't going to get, in, you know, in the middle of it. But, you know, it might. So but that's life. But the fans at home that, you know, that or the people that are coming to visit, you know, it's just that's my biggest complaint is that they it's all about the money. It's all about them. They don't think about what it does to no. everybody else involved. That's where my biggest gripe is. Yeah. And I, and I have, I have a huge amount of sympathy with you because I, I guess at least for um, in the UK, we know that the TV picks will come out um, about six weeks beforehand. And therefore, um, you know, I, but sometimes, not not even sometimes, you know, when I've looked at the home fixtures, um, when I'm planning, you know, I, I'm sort of putting in the weekends that we're due to be playing, I now have to put in a, a sort of calendar stretching from Friday to Monday because I have no idea at the point the initial fixture lift comes out what day of that weekend I mm. might, you know, I might have to go. And, the, and generally... If it's going to be a Friday night or a Monday, unless you know, unless I can do things, those will be games I won't be able to go because um, I'll be at work and it's it's unlikely I will be able to organise myself um, to to get there because of other commitments. So uh, I've already potentially got a number of games that are, I I'm already excluded from because of the TV kickoff times, um, so I, I have a, I have a huge amount of sympathy for people trying to make arrangements six months in advance because they're flying in from you know Korea or Australia or the US or you know uh, wherever it might be in the world, um, only to find out you know they they booked their flight six months ago and then six weeks before they turn up, um, you know they they booked a fly in on a Friday. And go home on a Sunday, and they moved the game to a Monday. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I've I've really got you know I I feel I feel for people who are, who are really you know sort of stuck in that stuck in that position. Okay, so next, so so that's a big tick about having you know a a, a reduced set of fixed uh, kickoff times over a weekend. Um, which I think would would help everybody's planning, um, and it, and all broadcasters have to stick to it, regardless of you know that they pay for the rights, but the rights include uh, more fixed kickoff times. Okay, so um, one of the things you talked about was the the players um, and around fixtures and one thing and another. So one of my big bugbears and we have talked about this quite a lot is the fact that we do not have a coordinated international calendar um, and you know we we talked about it before in terms of FIFA um, and having like concentrated uh, blocks of time where you know they they play international friendlies if international friendlies have to be played because one of the other my my other uh, things is actually remove international friendlies completely um, from, from the calendar. Um, 
that's that's on my wish list. But but the least surely we could do is have a coordinated international calendar um, where the the fact is that, and I appreciate that there's weather issues and one thing and another, but the the fact is something has to change in order for us to make football better for for the people it's supposed to be for, which is which is us. Um, so that would that would be another one uh, thrown in. Uh, any, any sort of quick comments with that? Before I go, I'm going to go down my list now um, of things that I thought I'd come up with and get get your views. Um, <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, carry on. Okay, so uh, kits, um, production of of kits, I think should be uh, restricted to once every two years to stop yes. rinsing the fans um, and making them buy some form of new kit every season. Um, you know, and we've got a home kit, an away kit, a third kit, a concept kit, uh, this, that and the other. And, you know, these are not cheap. Um, I mean, I think, because, uh, you know, I, I'm i not the consumer that these are aimed at because I refuse to, to get into this whole cycle but I think the last time I looked at buying you know looked at a shirt it was it was you know close to 70 pounds UK which would be what you know 90 dollars or something um I don't know how many corona those would be before um, you put on patches names numbers you know all the things that can go on it it's ridiculous how expensive like you, you just put me on my soapbox again because I've been venting about this. And when we went into Nike, it was already bad enough as it was. And then we went to yeah. Nike, which was ninety dollars for the replica shirt, not even the shirt that they play in, which is completely different. And that's one hundred and sixty-five dollars. It's before ridiculous. You put, before you put the extra fifty, sixty dollars to add all the bells and whistles to look like an official player and it's like are you kidding me I mean it was 2012 I think it was 2000 was it 8 to 10 or 8 to I think it was 2012 I could be wrong but you know we used to have two years with the same shirt and or or so and it's like it gives people the ability to to buy it if they couldn't get it that year um, their shirt is hell not going to run out because they're going to make enough of them because they know it's got to span over that period of time. You know, a family, say you're a family of four with two kids and your entire family's in it, which is, is pretty normal. And now you've got to buy one for the husband, for the wife, for and the two kids. And the, and depending on how big the kids are, they might wear adult sizes already. So you're you're paying for four shirts just to get like a, a one shirt you know, not counting all the other ones. And it's ridiculous how expensive it is, but they don't care. You know, it's like, oh, it's, 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 it's money. It's, it's the consumer and, and people constantly keep buying them. I waited and waited and waited. And I just bought the new shirt this year because it was 50% off. And that was the only reason I bought it because I wanted I wanted the shirt so that I could put um, 
Justice 96 on the back. And um, I figured, it, it, I, I saw it, and i not really thrilled about any of them, but the, the home team shirt is, the home shirt has been growing on me a little bit. I hate the white down the side. I hate the V in the back. I think the way it's been built is just, or constructed is so cheap. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that they didn't even embroider the um, the flames in the 96 on the back is an insult. The, the, just, the patches are plastic. I mean, everything about it just screams, you know, no to me. But it is what it is. And I was like, okay, I'm getting it for 50% off. I'm just going to go with it. And I probably won't, you know, end up buying one next year. But at least now I have the current, you know, shirt you know, especially when I, I run an OLSC, I kind of should represent, you know, and that was kind of my thought. I was like, okay, it's, it's finally on sale, but it was ridiculous. And, and then they say, oh, well, New Balance couldn't provide, they were constantly running out. Okay. Won't argue that. Won't, won't, won't argue the fact that everybody wanted the Allison Becker shirt, which isn't typically a shirt that people want a goalie shirt, unless you're a keeper. Most people don't want that mm-hmm. but but that black and gold shirt was just so well done that everybody wanted it regardless of you know what position or what player they just wanted the shirt and of course then you then you put the fact that it's Allison Becker and everybody loves him so his his value's already gone up with that but there wasn't any and then you couldn't get this shirt and you couldn't get that shirt and then it was a month or two before you could get it and the production was really bad, but at least they really put a lot of thought into the product. And I really think that after the first year or two, they really start to understand what Liverpool's about. It's it, they were unique. Mm-hmm. They weren't cookie cutter. You know, there was ranges for women and men. You know, the women were actually considered. The women's team played in the same you know as same women's cut, the same shirts as the men. Um, yeah. At one point, they even thought got a woman's um, sponsor for a couple of years and put Avon on there. So they actually put thought into, um, you know, women's the women's team. And then it seems like it's all gone by the wayside. You know, it's just you you look and I think they're trying to now because there's been a lot of uproar. But it's and I understand I I, I get told all the time oh, women aren't equal. You know, they don't because they don't bring the same revenue in. You know, people aren't as interested in it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Regardless what they're putting into it, especially when you know other teams like Chelsea and Arsenal that have spent so much money and treat the women as part of the team, not another team. And they all practice together and they have their own facility. You know, they, they, they yeah. share the facilities, you know, um, when when the now since of the of the new kit comes out, the entire team, which means the women and the men come together. The women and the men take a picture. They did that a couple years ago, and they said, um, one club, one vision. Where did that go? It's like they were making strides, and I think Peter Moore did a lot to boost the women, you know, taking them from Witness to um, Tramere, and they, they have the apartments up in the city center, and and you know, trying to do more things for them, but they still don't have a facility, you know, until last year, the facility where they were at, at um, Prenton Park was crap. I mean, they re- just redid the field. It wasn't a, a big upgrade, but at least it was in Merseyside. And, you know, it was just, 
they don't really fairly distribute or consider the women. They're the last spot, and I think they need to consider them more. Okay, soapbox over. Okay. It's over. So, <laughs> so, yeah, because that was about – we started off about kits, and we've ended up at the, at the I women's know. Sorry, kit. rant over. <laughs> Um, but but that's fine. I think I think I get a general sense that you're 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 in favour of not having uh, kits coming out <laughs> yes. every single season. Yes. Okay. So next to steer us another way. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, next thing. Uh, next thing on my my list then um and we've we've sort of talked well i i talked about it a little bit um but uh it's about uh going to an 18 team premier league from 20 and uh which was part of their original principles um so i would propose that uh the next you know the next two seasons um, there are four teams that are relegated from the Premier League uh, to the Championship and only two come up. And I realise that, you know, it filters down the pyramid. So I think you'd have to, you know, work out what that means for League One and League Two. Um, or maybe it's a, it's a three and one or something. But I think ultimately... We need to we need to go down to to an 18 team Premier League in order to uh, try and reduce some fixtures within within our calendar. Uh, Randy, are you for or against that? I'm for. I'm all for that because it has to do with the better conditions for the players. Uh, of course, it sounds very complicated when you talk about so how it sort of is going to affect everything else around. But I'm, I'm all for that. And uh, if they also, as you said, talked about earlier, if they also manage to do something about these national uh, teams uh, meeting mm-hmm. up uh, every other week, you know, to do some NADA games, if they also sort of think about the whole thing that's why i was talking about earlier somebody has to sit down and talk through the whole thing because it's all tangled together mm-hmm. but it helps of course starting in one place and you can start in the premier league with that okay so let me throw the next the next thing out and and i suspect well i don't think this was part of the esl proposal but um wage caps or salary caps, whatever you want to call them. Is that something we think there's yes, a bit please. in? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> well, I don't know why not, but it also, just saying that, I think it, it there has to be a way of, I don't know how the way is, but like in the MLS, they have like three designated players that can have a certain amount of money and then everybody else. That's not really, I think, the right way to go. But I think no. that there should, you know, um, so I'm not like that kind of salary cap I'm not okay with because I just think that that is worse. But I think if they, there's so much money that they can put into, I mean, some of, not to pick on Coutinho, but we're going to pick on Coutinho. Was mm-hmm. he worth 
what thank god because look what we got and i was so glad he didn't want to play for us so bye bye and we got van dyke <laughs> and allison so awesome but for what was it 140 million like how can that be yeah how can that how can a individual be worth that kind of money but that's because we've allowed it you know it's been allowed to to mm-hmm. be there and we, we've you know inf- inflation or whatever but we've allowed that and that's why everybody's like oh i want more money and players want more money and and agents want more money and the, everybody wants more money and so it just gets driven up and where when do we stop when you know yeah. you look at you look at players you know 30 years ago and i know that's a long time ago and th- it, before the premier league when all the money was thrown into it and you know they were making a wage they were playing great football and you know people were entertained and you, you talk about the kennys and the john barnes and and the ian rushes right they weren't making millions of dollars like that you know i mean it's just the, the they're money. making a decent living um, yeah they, and and you know they were making a lot more than the average person but oh, it was it wasn't so astronomical that people felt that there was you know that they were completely disconnected from them and i also think that's that's part of what we're also seeing now is you know the if if you look at the social media and the uh, and I'm, by the way, I'm not saying this right. This is right at all. I think it's uh, I think it's very wrong. But you know, the 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 amount of abuse and stuff that is um, oh. spewed on social media, um, part of that I think is also related to people feel utterly disconnected from you know the lifestyles and the the uh, you know the the aspirational. Uh, piece of being a football has, has sort of changed out of all recognition and and people seem to feel that money is like it solves all problems and it doesn't um you know these people are you know are lucky that they get to do what they love for for a job and they get hugely well rewarded for it um you know it's a short career and all of the rest of it but but it seems to have you know you've you've got this kind of uh, jealousy and abuse and what, whatever you want to think where, where they just go, well, you know, you're paid £200,000 a week and you're shit. And, I, and I've got the right to tell you that you're shit, um, which to an extent you do. But, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. But abusing a payer on the basis of what they earn and the fact that it's been dictated by the market just seems fundamentally flawed to me you know have an issue with the skewing of the market not the fact that that person has played the going rate for the job it's not you know it's not their fault that what what it says is you know if you can demonstrate that you can you know score 20 goals a season you know a club is going to pay you you know, anywhere between a hundred to you know five hundred thousand pounds a week. It's it's an obscene amount of money. Nobody needs to earn that amount of money. No. But I I am you know I I sort of I I have a bit of a you know I worry about you know what why the the, the players are being 
held you know responsible none, none of them are going to turn down the money let's be absolutely clear here right and if we were in their positions we probably wouldn't which is why i'm very much on a on a salary cap because i think you have to you have to find a way to regulate the market um which i know is a very you know in a in a this capitalist society we live in it's not necessarily a popular thing but i do think you need to regulate the market the issue is we need to regulate the market across Europe, in my view. I, I don't think you can do that in the UK alone if we said we wanted to bring in a salary cap because, you know, Barcelona and Real Madrid would go, mm, come over here then. Because exactly. This, this, you know, and by the way, we'll, we'll pay your tax for you um, because that's, that's another thing that's on my list is around... Yeah. Um, which which is you know probably insurmountable in some respects and particularly with the UK being outside of the EU now but is having um, common tax regimes in terms of sport like elite sports because this is this is how you know uh, you look at uh, Real Madrid because you know uh, seeing Florentine Perez has been pontificating about how they're saving football um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> right so so he's, you know, he he presides over a club that's over a million, a billion pounds in debt. They, you know, created this whole Galacticos and, you know, going chasing after and throwing money at people. And part of that was, part of those contracts was they would pay their tax, right? So the club picks up the tax bill for the players, for those, for those high now where yeah. where they ran into issues is it didn't cover image rights which is where the sort of spanish tax authorities are going well hold on you're not paying tax on everything um because your image rights are, 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 are separate which is why you know people like messi and ronaldo and whatever ended up in the spanish courts yeah. but actually how can that be a viable business model and you're skew in the market so you know i'm using them as an extreme example but the the principle in my view is is around having commonality and consistency because that enables you to have a a, a salary cap or a tra and or, or a transfer cap as well yeah it should be also regulated the way some agents have fees that are absolutely ridiculous as well Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What is that yeah, for? Yeah, so there should, be, mean, should hey, be fixed pay... agent fees. Yeah. Because if you have a salary cap, um, what you're saying is, uh, you know, the, the, the maximum I'm prepared to pay an agent is, is X. Or mm -hmm. actually, because isn't it FIFA who regulate agents? So why can't FIFA specify that the agent cannot claim more than X percent mm. of, of the value of a contract? Yeah. That should be easily done. It's yeah. just somebody has to feel the responsibility, and that should be uh, the international. Uh, so that, I mean, because and then that... we can start seeing uh, some, um, some uh, sense all world round, worldwide, because as you said, you can't just do it in England. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that every, all, the play, all the big players go somewhere else then. So we have to start looking at this as a whole world market, really. Well, okay. I think that's one of the reasons why the MLS um, 
isn't mm. as popular because, you know, you can't bring just anybody because there is a salary cap, but not not in as a whole, but as in only so many pl- So if you're a young player and you want to better yourself, you know, and, and play all these, especially the Americans, they're all going over to Germany and playing over in Germany because they're getting better experience. They're better players there. Mm. And, and there's, you know, they can make more money and, and it's, you know, you're not capped out at your potential because you can only have, you know, three superstars or what, what they deem as superstars per team. So like the way the MLS is doing it is also ridiculous. And, and that's, I think one of the reasons why they, they say, Oh, the, the players that come over are coming out, you know, coming over to die end their career, you know, because they won't want to play their career in the MLS when they can play somewhere else in, in the world, you know, specifically Europe and make more money and, and play a more, um, competitive game. Okay. So, uh, so a few more, a few more, uh, quickies now, and then we'll, um, cause I think we, we'll, uh, we're getting to the point where we've kind of done this to death. Um, <laughs> but, um, removal of Premier League teams from the EFL Cup. or League Cup, as it's also known. So basically, the Premier League teams don't play in it. I'd be fine with that. Let let the, yeah, let the lower, lower teams play. You know, I, I don't think that anybody really takes it seriously anymore or hasn't in years, so it doesn't, you know, have that prestige. And let, let some of these other clubs have the opportunity to, to earn money and earn you know, a trophy, there's enough trophies out there, you know. Um, I think that they should let, you know, the the lower leagues earn something and and go from there. It's, it's, it's the congestion and the fixtures and it's just another game and we play the kids anyway. So why, why does it even matter anymore? Uh, so, you know, it's it's got a... Uh, you know, it's got a nice sort of rich history. Liverpool have won it a fair few times, but um, you know, if we're serious around the the, the fixture pileup and calendar, something has to give. Um, okay, another another suggestion, Randy, to you first. No FA Cup unless they give the Champions League spot to the winners. Uh, what was that again? We're not going to so, play FA Cup. Yeah, so, well, the, the FA Cup as a competition should have a Champions League spot for the winners. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> Why I not? Don't know. <laughs> Why not? I mean, just shake it up a bit. And I'll think about the uh, uh, League Cup. Uh, I don't know any other countries that has two cups, by the way, so... You have a cup no. and you have a series, so why not just do it like that? And then to to make importance for the cup as well, you could add the Champions League on it, and and that would be even more important then because it's another chance. Okay, last two, last two things then. Um, VAR, Oof. scrap it, 
or continue? Amy, Kate, you go first. Well, I mean, if we're continuing the way it is now, scrap it. But if you're going to do it the way they're doing it in other countries and, and do it the way it was meant to be, then I think it could be a good thing. But it's shown that it's not been um, good. I mean, the whole way the way that games you know you're looking at play or at games and you're like this this particular game it's VR is it's out and then you watch it and you see another game and the same thing happens and oh it's in like there's no consistency there's it's it's ridiculous like i i say if you're going to keep it like this just get rid of it okay randy yeah agree either you scrap it or you educate people so that it's actually worthwhile having it. I mean, it's better in the Champions League, isn't it, uh, yeah. than in uh, it is. Britain? Is it, is, it, is it VAR, though, or is it the, the rules that they're applying VAR to? Well, well maybe that's it. There's, yeah, I mean, maybe it is. It seems to be more about uh, the changing the rules for... Um, VAR instead of having VAR to control the rules you know it's, it's ridiculous mm-hmm. okay last last one then um, referees being mic'd up as per uh, you know as you see in rugby or, or other sports and um, you actually being able to hear their uh, discussions assuming that VAR goes on or, you know, they're talking to their assistant referee about a particular decision. Yes. Yeah, why not? We should know. Why? There's nothing to hide. And, and you know, that's my, that's my view. Why, why is football special? Um, you know, they're worried about people uh, because footballers swear so much or some such nonsense. Um, I, I have no idea why they think people are going to be shocked we've seen them you know we've lip read for years everybody being called everything from a wanker to a cunt to anything else on the field and they still think you know football fans are going to be shocked um if they hear that when the when the players are talking to the referee maybe the fact that they get mic'd up and people hear the level of swearing um on a football field might actually reflect back on the players maybe it'll actually moderate their behaviour somewhat. I mean, it probably won't, but you never know. Some of those players might actually watch themselves back and think, Jesus, is that what I sound like when I'm on a football pitch effing and jeffing all all the way around the pitch? (laughs) Uh, You never know. You never know. Right. Is there is there anything uh, either of you would want to add to, to to the list of things that I that I threw out there very quickly, Randy? Anything else that occurs to you? I know there's stuff that we won't have picked up, but here's your chance to throw something else in the pot. Yeah. Well, actually, I was uh, on my list was the um, uh, wage cap and uh, the fees for um, regulate the fees paid for the players and to um, to agents, so mm-hmm. that was on my list, and and the rest is uh, I think is so many good thoughts here, because we need to do something about football. I mean, 
so many issues we talked about today, but I agree on your list. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Amy Kate, anything else you'd want to throw in? I think I've done enough ranting. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so my, my last question then, before we do a very quick AOB, is is this the end for FSG as owners of Liverpool Football Club? Is this the straw that's broken our back in terms of in terms of John Henry and co. Amy Kate, let's start with you on that one. I'm really torn, and I know this is not going to be the popular um, view. I am not FSG out, but I'm not FSG in either. I'm kind of on the fence. I think that, you know, there's what they did was just absolutely ridiculous. And, um, I'm disgusted in, in the way that they handled it and the fact that they didn't even tell the players and the coach. I mean, Jurgen didn't even know. I mean, the, the, the whole situation is the way they handled it was horrible. You know, and then you, you look back on the on the uh, the summer or was it when when they wanted to furlough the the mm-hmm. staff. Horrible. You know, you look at the um, ticket situation, trying mm-hmm. to um, what's the word I'm looking for? Copyright LFC. Those four things are huge to me, but, you know, and, and I'm not okay with any of those things. They did listen to, to, um, the voices and it didn't last very long and it was, you know, smashed out very quickly, which I can appreciate. Um, but at the same time, you can't take away, they've redone, um, Anfield. They've, we've won all these trophies. They've bought a lot of great players. They've put a lot of money in. Um, they've invested in a lot of things. They want to invest in, in doing Annie road. Um, you know, I, they're, they they've done a lot of good things too. Um, and we can't forget that. And with that being said, okay, so they're gone and, and they're not going to be here forever because no team has the same owners forever. So eventually mm-hmm. they will leave, but you know, there was a rejection of, I think $3 billion, um, came out for some um, African oil team, I think, uh, oil company. I might have that wrong. It was oil, though, um, and FSG turned it down. It, and that that was actually proposed before um, the Super League had been announced. Um, and there's several others that want um, their hand in into it. But at the same time, it's the evil we know versus the evil we don't know. Because um, mm-hmm. just because you know, we don't want to put up with FSG and what they've done, you know, doesn't mean the grass is greener on the other side and the next people coming in are going to be this great, wonderful thing and all problems can be solved. So, you know, be careful what you wish for. That's that's kind of my thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, Randy? Uh, I'm a bit on the same as uh, you just said because we know what we got and they are have been doing all sorts of strange things but also all sorts of good things i just think they need to rebuild trust now and uh peter moore was very good being grounded in liverpool he understood the culture he was he was that bridge that i felt was a good uh, figure. Now you got Billy Hogan, that everyone says he's a lovely guy. I don't know. He's situated in London as well, isn't he? I mean, it's just the distance. They need to come into the 
city. They need to come into the fans. They need to reach out to the fans. Uh, and I am so scared. What's going to come instead? You know, is it going to be just more distance? Is it going to be China? Is it going to be you know whatever? They need to be build trust, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to do that. But hopefully, they will. Can they do that? That's so, the question. I don't know. Well, you know? That, that's uh, that's my that's my question, and I and I genuinely don't know. You know, I, if if I took a poll, sort of on the on the group that I normally go to the game with, I think the uh, I think it would be a fifty fifty split. If I'm honest about those who just want them out versus those who sort of say, you know, I, I think they've, you know, I think they've royally fucked up, but um, I want to see how how they try and, like, rebuild the, the trust. And I, my, my biggest thing out of all of this is um, uh, uh, on the point of it, it's fine if we want them out, but, but who's going to replace them? Because... Yeah. You know what they uh, they took us over from Gillette and Hicks, who who were basically bank. You know this club was was you know hours away from potentially going into administration under their mm-hmm. watch, and uh, I haven't forgotten that. That doesn't mean I agree uh, or support all of the things that you talked about, Amy Kate. And also, let's be clear here. When we say that FSG have invested, right? They've they've invested in so far as like interest-free loans, and but but they they've insisted that the club be sustainable, which I'm not saying is a bad model, but you know it's not like they've pumped in billions of their own money, um, in terms of you know most of our trans our net spend if you look at that over the last you know, seven, eight years is, is you know, it was about 70 million or something. Mm. And we'd mentioned Coutinho earlier. And yes, you know, it's 142 million and we reinvested that wisely. But it is, it generally all has been about sell to buy. It's not been, you know, it, they've not been going down the Man City route and they've been very clear about that. So I think we just, you know, they have done some, you know, they have, done you know a, a lot of a lot of stuff you know the, the redevelopment of Anfield the main stand um you know is is great the fact that actually we're staying at Anfield um it looks assuming they remain owners that we'll get the an you know the Annie Road developed we, we go up to like 61,000 capacity um but this is such a fundamental breach and they knew it right they knew because that's what you know we can you know we can argue about whether they will signed NDAs as part of this you know brave new venture and all the rest of it but they knew this was going to go down like a bucket of sick right yeah. and yeah. they went they went ahead with it anyway and the fact that hung their own manager and players out to dry through this yeah not, you know forgetting onto the fan groups I I don't know how you come back from that, right? I really I really don't know. And and you know what came out from the manager and the players was was more powerful, you know. And again, we haven't talked about it at all. But Jordan Henderson um, and his sort of leadership as captain in terms yeah. of 
he put yeah. out on social media and every single squad player posted the same message um mm-hmm. you know I, and i know other you know other fan groups and other clubs have done different things but, but you know that's leadership you know sitting sit on the uh, you know sitting on the other side of the pond wherever wherever they've been having these secret meetings yeah right and then and then putting out an announcement on a sunday night right when uh, and you know and all of this is deliberate um yeah. you know in terms in terms of the various news cycles and not expecting any blowback or just thinking that they could ride it out i just find is the height of arrogance so I Green. do, you know, I, and and the problem is with the statement of John Henry talking about, you know, we've heard you, I've heard you. Well, I don't understand, right? Well, um, why weren't you listening before, right? When you talked about fucking Project Big Picture, you know, nobody, nobody was like, you know, people were going, we need to enter into a conversation about, you know, reforming football or something, but no, nobody was saying, that, you know, there was no lineup of people. Going, oh, I know what a good idea is. Why don't, why don't we create a, a completely different midweek competition, right? And and hive off a load of the things. So, so from from an FSG point of view, I am, I'm, I'm worried about who might come behind because let's face it, if they turned down three billion pounds from whether it was China or Africa or wherever it was, it was on the basis that they. They they were planning this. They were planning the ESL and thought they saw the money rolling in, and therefore they didn't three, think three billion was a high enough value for, yeah. for 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 the asset that they had in Liverpool Football Club. And and let's not also forget that their main vehicle is a sports broadcasting company. Yes, they it's the Fenway Sports Group, and yes, they own the Red Sox, but their biggest profit making is the is their sort of sports broadcasting. So you can't tell me that wasn't at play in here as well. So, you know, yes, they have been decent owners, but they have made some fundamental mistakes. And and they've they've the so the mistakes they've made. Let me rephrase that: have been really fundamental. Each one has been different, but has been so poorly executed or so misread the situation. And I don't know how many more times they can go. Well, we, you know, we're sorry and we're listening, and you know, don't don't come out. With clearly this, not. This, this <laughs> yeah. means more. Well, it, yes, it only means true. more money to you, <laughs> right. or to us. Yeah. So but did you recognise the wording? Sorry, did you recognise the wording in the apologies as well? I mean, we're sorry for the disruption we made to your club. Your yes. is his club for fuck's sake. He owns it. He doesn't well, feel connected at all then. So that's so that's the interesting thing is I think so that wording would have been deliberate, but when they first took over, right, uh there was a um there was a state you know, he, he sort of talked about many things. Um and uh, one of his first uh uh like statements or speeches or whatever, he talked about them being the custodians of yes. the club. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so maybe that is maybe that's why he chose the wording that he did. But yeah. Um, but yeah, in his first words when we took over, 
he declared to walk this path together with the fans and claimed they would do a lot of listening. I am proud and humbled. I can't see how happy I am. We're here to win, he said in October 2010. We're going to do a lot of listening. We have a lot to learn and we'll walk this path together with the fans. So, frankly, they did, you know, they've got a lot more listening to do. And maybe, <laughs> yes, they, need, maybe they need to go to like a doctor and get their ears syringed or something because yeah. you know, people are talking it doesn't they don't appear to be hearing what we're saying <laughs> correct so sorry i'm off i'm off my soapbox <laughs> now no um, i i totally appreciate where you're good. coming from and you know i i i think that's the thing it's i i don't know if the answer is to get rid of them and maybe it is i don't know but but what are they going to do to fix it? That's what I want to know. You know how, and how can they? And are they really listening? Or are they just blowing smoke yeah. up our ass to keep us, keep us you know, yeah, keen because, so that they can move on and, and just you yeah. know, tr- try and put this to bed? And I'm not okay if it's just to try and put this to bed. If they're truly, you know, going to – because people make mistakes. I get that, even though this was absolutely a huge fuck up. But – if they're going to make mistakes, they have to learn from their mistakes. That's, that's the thing. You can't just keep making mistakes over and over. You know, you need to talk to the, the powers to be. You need to talk to the, the fans and the club. And for God's sake, you don't do all this and then throw your team and your manager and your staff under the, under the bus. That was just unbelievable. Yeah. And and that's that's the bit that I almost find the most unforgivable. Um, but anyway, the and and the the sort of last thing I do because um, this this will be a long listen for you for all you loyal <laughs> uh, followers of this pod. Um, but I do I I do just want to um, focus very quickly on the on the statement from J P Morgan. Um, because uh, the bit that that worried me about their statement um, was that they, um, you know, they they said something along the lines. They said they misjudged the deal, right? We clearly misjudged how this deal would be viewed by the wider football community and how it might impact them in the future. We will learn from this. And it's those last five words that worry me because I genuinely don't think this has gone away. Uh, You know, the Super League might be dead, but, you know, they clearly spent a lot of time crunching numbers and looking at their legal options and one thing and another. So I, I, I worry about what we will learn from this actually means. That's a good point. Because I don't think this is, I hate to say it, but I don't think, maybe the Super League's over, but I don't think this is over. You know? Um, yeah. You know, 1992, Premier League. And now, you know, 2021, they're trying to do the Super League. It's not like, it, it's it's not like um, you're going to have somebody um, coming in here and not doing it again. I mean, it, it, I, I see... Somewhere down the road, somebody else is going to want to try and get more money and, and mm-hmm. try and revamp it, you know, whatever it is. It, it's, and I get football evolves, but 
<laughs> not like that. And and no. it's, it it's just it was it's ruining the game. And I thought um, it was very clever uh, of uh, Jamie Carragher with his tombstone and has the dates of of um, April twenty eighth to April thirtieth. Um, you know the death of the Premier League or the the life of Premier League, I should say, that it's died two days later. Um, and I thought that was hilarious, and that was one of my favorite um, posts on social media because it 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 was you know as quick or as long as it, money that all the time they spent into it and all the money that they put in to do this all behind closed doors and then you know they've been doing this forever and <laughs> in two days it just gets smashed, which I thought was brilliant. But I don't think because they had put all this money and all this time and all this and we hear you, so now we're gonna go and try and do something that you want. But I don't think they yeah. really know what or, we or want. Or something, something that something that you won't have such an allergic reaction to. Yeah. Um. So so just one last thing on that. I didn't see the Jamie Carragher thing, albeit you know I think you know people in glass houses. He's sitting there taking Sky's dollar. So so you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I I get it right, but you know he's he's hardly got completely clean hands in this. Um. But what I would say is. Um, there's been two two things now. So one is there's been a lot of talk about sanctions against the six clubs uh, for 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 doing this. By the I don't know whether it's by the Premier League or UEFA or whatever. Um, you know, but there there is a concern around you know you actually end up punishing the manager and the players if you you know if you do a points deduction or if you do a uh, like a, you know, a, a, I don't know, a fine or like a expulsion from a from a competition. But I don't see how any of these six clubs get away with no sanctions through this. So, um, is there is there a view um, from either of you, Randy? I'll start with you first about what you think a sanction could or should be for the six clubs? Well, I think that's so difficult because, as you say, it's going to hurt the players and the, the manager. But but who you want to hurt are the owners. But what are their language? Their language is money. Mm-hmm. So if you hurt them with money, that is going to... Uh, throw back at the club, isn't it? So that's going to be no new signings, maybe for a couple of seasons. It's going to be, I mean, it, it, it's so difficult. Uh, and in one way, I wouldn't mind having points taken of us <laughs> just right now because it doesn't really matter as long as we don't go down. But um, but I think, as you said, how can you punish the owners, the guys that plan this shit, and not? team and, and the players uh, how can you do that uh, I, I don't know I haven't got an answer but I think that's the way you should do it um, Amy Kate what have your views would a, would a you know a transfer ban um, you know a limited transfer ban I'd say you know talked about points deduction but again you know it hurts it hurts the players who were completely innocent in this is it as simple as a as a fine? Um, is it, you know, I don't know, re- restrictions for a season in terms of their share of the broadcast revenues or something? I don't know. 
See, it's so tricky because you can't, you can't get, get away with it. I mean, they have to be punished um, because if they don't, then it just shows that, that you can fuck up royally, do this, and nothing's going to happen to you because it didn't happen. So they can't, they can't not punish them. But how, like you said, how do you punish the owners without it trickling down and affecting the, the players and, and, and the team? Because, you know, at first I thought, well, you, you don't punish the team, you punish the owners by fining them. But that means that then the money that they've been fined isn't going to go back into the club. And that's the problem because you're still, if you punish the owners, you're still punishing the team. You know, so yeah, I, I don't gonna, know what the I'm, right. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I maybe you. Was, oh, I, was, I was just saying, is there some way you could ring fence? You know, if you, if it was going to be a monetary fine, could you specify as part of it that this, you know, it would have to be, you need to come from their personal for their personal funds and actually shouldn't impact any of the operational yeah. run or investment in the club itself or something. Or that, yes, and I just thought of something else, and I don't know how realistic this is, but that fine also goes to um, charity. It goes to people in need, not to the pockets of UEFA or the pockets of the rich. This money is going to, you know, Whatever well, it is. Just to grassroots football or yeah, yeah, that'd be down, down the pyramid or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, there you that'd go. That's good. a great idea. You put so, – so all six of those English teams have X amount of dollars that they have to put. Say, say it's $50 million. I don't know. I'm just throwing a number out there. Maybe that's not realistic or not enough. I don't know. But they have to put that into – grassroots football and that has to be you know helping out the teams that especially during covid that have lost their ass and they weren't able to play football because they they ended up you know putting Mm -hmm. down um you know no play causes you know and 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 also put it into the women you know not just the men it should i mean the whole thing i think just needs to go down the the ladder to the lower teams that that really really need the money and and you know it's be, it's money well spent it's not going into you know billionaires pocket, pockets it's it's mm. bettering the game and that's what we're trying to do here is better the game so why not put it back into the game yeah that's a good one okay so we've had a long long chat and i know it's probably coming up to two o'clock in the morning in norway yeah. <laughs> so, so we are going to draw this to a close. So, very quickly, Randy, any any other business from you? Yeah, I just want to briefly mention the uh, LFC is in on a social media boycott next weekend, which is going to be very interesting to see what that uh, shows because. I think we have to do something about social media and racism and bullying and all the rest yeah. of it. But the thing we would miss then, which I was going to tell you anyway, have you seen Alan St. Maxim's um, tweet about Mane? Because no. a fan, a, a Liverpool fan, obviously, you know, being sick and tired of Mane not scoring goals, sent him a message saying, 
can you come to Liverpool and Mane go the other way around? And then he replies, I don't like this. Be respectful to him, please. You are ungrateful. He did and is doing a lot for Liverpool. There still is a long way before I can uh, uh, reach his level. And I thought that was so wonderful. He's a lovely player, isn't he? I wouldn't mind him, by the way. And what he just did there was so, so clever. It was no, I hadn't, I hadn't picked that up. I mean, I haven't been on social media very much uh, today, so, um, so I didn't see that. So thank you for pointing that out to me. So a, uh, whoever sent that tweet to to Mane and to Saint Maxim should, you know, go and have a long hard look at themselves. Um, and secondly, that's that's a lovely response and very supportive of Mane. And clearly, he's struggling at the moment. We talked about it earlier. Yeah. He doesn't need assholes like that uh, sending no. him shit when yeah. you know when it's clearly not having the best season. So so well said, Alan Saint Maxim. Thank you for that, Mandy. You're welcome. <laughs> a- Amy Kate, any 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 no, other business I- from you? I actually was going to bring that same subject up about um, that tweet because I had saw it um, about an hour or so ago and it went all over social media and I thought that's fantastic. And But you know, to the point of this so-called Liverpool player, if you can't support us when we're down, then don't support us when we're winning. Exactly. Like, you shouldn't be a Liverpool supporter. You, you're embarrassing and I'm, I'm ashamed that you call yourself a Liverpool supporter. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. Although clearly he he probably has a load of people who've piled on top of him now as well. So you know, in the spirit of of being you know of being fair, I think he should have the error of his ways pointed out to him. But I don't think he needs to get dogs abuse either. Um, on the basis we're saying people shouldn't be being abused. I think he needs to he exactly. needs to learn the lesson. <laughs> but um, yeah. let's not turn it into a witch hunt either. Um, Absolutely right. Okay, so um, my um, so I I think I've got everything out of my system now <laughs> <laughs> through this pod. So I I don't have uh, <laughs> any other business. Um, we haven't spoken much about the games, and we haven't even mentioned the fact that we're no longer in the Champions League. But you know, it's kind <laughs> of old news now. We don't know that we'll actually be in the Champions League next season the way things are going. So I think. You know, we we need to we need to remember this has been the most bizarre eighteen months of football I think any of us have ever experienced for for a variety of reasons. But we, uh, whilst you know, it won't it won't last much longer. Let's not forget we are still reigning Premier League champions. Um, and yes, it's not been the defence we would have wanted, but let's not let's not forget. We support Liverpool Football Club. We do not support FSG or John Henry or anybody else. We support the club, we support the players, and we support the manager. So as long as they're there doing their best for us, and they may not always get the results we want, but as long as they're there doing the best for us, we need to do the best for them. So I'll try and end on a positive note. After the shit show of the week we've had with um, the, 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 the now defunct, 
defunct ESL. Um, <laughs> but thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, it's probably going to be a bit of a long listen for you, but um, as you can imagine, we had a lot to talk about. Um, <laughs> and we'll look forward to talking to you all again very soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. Life goes on day after day Hearts torn in every way So fairy, cross the mercy Cause this land's the place I love And here I'll stay Social Podcast Network.